Hello guys and gals, how you doing? Today I'll be talking about an awesome way to start your free podcast, and I mean free, no catch, no gimmicks. It's totally free, easy to edit, easy to record, and easy to promote and monetize your podcast. It's called Anchor.fm, and I highly recommend you guys and gals, check it out, and start your own podcast, let your voice be heard. And also, don't forget to listen to Wild Dog Podcasts, and tell them that I sent you and that you hear it from me. So you get more people to join Anchor.fm. You will not be disappointed because they will also put your podcast in other platforms and then make it very, very much easier for you. Have a great day, everybody. Hey, guys, what's up? I'll be talking about a movie. A little like officially, I'm going to say it now, action movies are coming back. It wasn't expendable ones. They did a good job on it. Expendable did a good job. And um, Arnold Schwarzenegger got a new one, new one's coming out. So the Stone got a new one coming out. And especially Arnold and the Stone teaming up together again, coming out next year, I think, if I'm corrected. He was in the prison. And he has to escape his own prison designs slide. But um, this one is called Lord Diabow. This is an old 80s classic movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And one of his new movies, I think, was called The Last Stand. Guess what? Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a sheriff. Guess what? Involved deal. Guess who he played at the beginning of the movie? He played a sheriff that was he used to work for that like the FBI thing, and he got pretty much um like like discharged in a way I would say, because he had to take another job becoming sheriff. One day his partner, one of his old partners, called him back, and he wants him to do a job to get rid of this crime boss that killed the some old friend's son. Mentioned in the story, he was telling Arnold Schwarzenegger about it that his son died because of the mafia life of the crime boss, and he wanted revenge. And pretty much the boo is not covering this. It's really Darren McGarvey's character, aka Mr. Night Stalker. We all know who he is the reporter guy, from Supernatural Forces back in the 70s. I think I don't know if that was done in the 70s or 80s. It's an old show, by the way, back back in the days. But anyway, Darren McGarvey plays Arnold Schwarzenegger's friend in the movie who hired Arnold Schwarzenegger come back. To help him out, he go finance the whole thing by his own pocket of money, and so, so all sorts of to um, go undercover, like stop the crime boss, you know, pretty much revenge, pretty much, for his first partner's son's death, and um, so there was scene, the acting's good, you get your classic all sorts of one-liners, you got a lot of crazy moments in the movie, especially this is my favorite moment. When also there was a sheriff, right? He drives a sheriff car, telling the police, his sheriff department, the, the county, the county police department over there where he was working at the town, telling that he's, he's going to do an investigation about breaking, which he's trying to fake his own death, right? Check, check this shit out. <laughs> he comes inside a fucking power plant or warehouse, I would say. Start a fire right next to his car with gasoline, and then blow his car up where he was supposed to be inside of it while he's out. Now you would think with the like NCI and all this high tech investigation, you be want when they investigate the car, you'd be like, okay, where's the fucking body? Okay, it's burning to ash, but still, where's the evidence of the body? You know, you have some kind of evidence of the body prints in the car and stuff. Even when it's burning fire, uh, an explosion. Um, yeah, I see a CI shit. Cause trust me, I think I know what I'm talking about. So you, you don't think the investigation will be one way? Wait a minute, is he dead? Where's the fucking body? Where's the proof? You know. But anyway, that's how Arnold Schwarzenegger fake his own death. 
so he could start his life all over again. So when he goes undercover, like the criminal tip, like the crime bosses or his men will not find out who his true identity is or where he, who he's, who he really is, you know. So he has to start all again. Um, David McGovern character gave him like the paperwork, pretty much the money. Like I said, he financed the whole thing for him to go undercover and stop these guys. So he he start making trouble, stuff like going to one of the criminal, one of the rivals' criminals, um, gambling casino in the restaurant, like. And start wrecking havoc. He drives a red truck, pushes it to the restaurant. I remember if I saw that scene, one of the um, criminals, when he saw the truck coming to the restaurant, he said, Oh shit! And I remember when I saw this movie for the first time, I said the same thing. And it was right, it was exactly right, the same moment when I said it to when that, when that guy said it. So it was epic, man, back in the days. Um, of course, well, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character finally got into the other criminal activity organization. You know, they kind of trust him a little bit. Um, he was helping the, the, one of the crime bosses' right-hand man. Trying to get, like, beat, beat the people up. And, you know, and then one day, then also this character comes off um, place when um, the right-hand man and the other guy with the gun, all three of them got to go to the cemetery and kill this cop. And also they said, oh, they want, he want, they want him to kill his his friend in the in the boat that hired him to put stuff. So that's when I was supposed to make a kind of like shot both the right hand man and shot the other guy. And then he goes off to a war zone where he gets all pumped up, start shooting up people at the construction site. Um, you get the finale scene in the crime boss headquarters. He's out shooting up place, shooting up the place, killing all those niggas, killing everybody, guns firing and all that shit. Um, you got scenes with the when um. When the crowd ball trying to get his money back to Armstrong, like he got an ideal. His captain said, "You know, let's make a bomb threat so they can evacuate the building." You know, and they did, and that's what they did. They got these. The crowd boss got his men stealing the money. He dressed up as as a bomb squad. Um, there's a lot of crazy shit going on in this fucking movie, but but it was an enjoyable movie. I did like um, Lord Deal. So check out this movie if you could. What's up? Today we talk about that awesome movie, 1995, Night of the Scarecrow. This has to be like the greatest fucking Scarecrow movie ever, ever. I mean, the Scarecrow movies in the horror genre. Was this a Scarecrow movie? Period. Oh my god! I went to movie movie censorship and found out about this movie when they was comparing the cut and uncut version of this movie. And, um, actually the one I have is Uncut, which is the U.S. release, by the way. So, it's pretty cool. Um, I think I saw this movie before anyway, but I wasn't sure, though. Because I recognize that priest, though, that's why. Anyway, this movie started out with this woman coming back to town, visit, and her dad is the mayor. They had some kind of falling out, like why she left, you know, and now you come back. And, um, the family and a few of the town members have a secret, you know about um, hiding this book from the Scarecrow, you know, because the Scarecrow has an origin story, but let's get to the point. These two guys, the young punks, pissing on the grave, you know, of the Scarecrow, you know, on a crack hole, and um, then later on in the movie that the thunder hits the Scarecrow, it came to life, and the Scarecrow go, 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 excuse me, goes on a killing spree. Now, yo, the kill scenes are good in this movie, definitely really good. Um, there's some kill scenes they did not show you in detail, 
but it's okay. Cause they, they're the only scenes they do show you anyway. You know, except for those two scenes with the priest's wife and uh, one of the punk that pissed on his grave, or start, or the ones that start start with the start a fight with the um, the hero of the movie, the male hero. Um. So when he when the scarecrow goes up against the priest, right? He he like opens his mouth like the scarecrow in this movie. Like out of all the scarecrow in the horror unit, this one fucking talks. And he's like a wise ass too. He's like, hey now, like some shit like that. He's like, where's my book? Where's my book? This is like one of those horror movies, like standalone horror movie that did not never got a sequel. But yeah, this movie never had a DVD release. You know, so I had to go for a DVD transfer. I mean, VHS transfer to DVD. You know, Shout Factory, Lion Gate, whoever you're watching this, re really, excuse me, release this in DVD officially. Maybe you might have deleted scenes we do not know about. I like to, I like to buy this movie Blu-ray. This was a fun movie like that. Um, one of the kill scenes, he was killing the priest's daughter. Like he was fisting her, like there was some sex shit going on. And then he played like a scene in her. And then he, then the, and then the priest's daughter have cornfields going out of titties, her mouth. Oh man. I mean, there was some cool kill scenes in this movie. I don't want to ruin it for you. Especially with the girl's father, the mayor of the town. He had a good kill scene too. You know? But anyway, um, the, the scarecrow, one of the scenes where he saw the priest's, priest's mouth and he was on the run and then, while well, the scarecrow goes on the killing spree, um, the, and then the heroine, the heroine of the movie was making out. The priest knocks on the hotel door. Man, you just feel like having a second the priest comes into the fucking door. How the fuck that happens? You know? And he's like explaining to the lady about the origin story of the scarecrow. Like 100 years ago, when this warlock comes into the town, offers this um, priest, preacher in this town that I'll give you wealth. I'll make your town grow, you know, like a farm. You know, and the only thing the warlock wants, believe it or not, this, this has to be the nicest fucking warlock ever. Because he didn't, the only thing he wants is to have sex and party. That's all this fucking warlock wanted. You believe that shit? This is the nicest villain ever in a horror movie. How can you condemn this motherfucker? Let him live. Yeah, and, all, and that's all he wants. He doesn't want to sacrifice you. He doesn't want your kids. He doesn't want to kill nobody. He doesn't want to sacrifice your family or whatever. He doesn't want no death. He doesn't want no blood. This warlock he just want to have sex and party. That's all he gives a fuck about. And, and, and in return, he's going to help you grow your, grow your corn, your food. You know, pretty much. You know, you have a healthy town, pretty much. And then... When um, the guy, when the warlock loses the pre preacher's daughter during the orgy scene, the, pre the preacher had enough, so he decided to steal the magic book from the warlock and look at the spell, and um, like they they sacrifice him, like they crucify him to make him into a scarecrow and put his bones into a coffin when he died two days of screaming and pain, and then that's how the scarecrow became, you know, that was his origin story. So now it's pretty much scarecrow goes revenge. He wants the book. So he could be turning to human again, and um, when he gets to the when he get to the final scene where he was going while Scarecrow goes on kill spree, you know, uh, you get the guy and the, and the female heroine on the run while the heroine finally got the magic book. Was the guy and the and uh, the heroine going the run while Scarecrow was chasing them, killing two officers on the way. By the way, and it was just funny. They go into the shack. They finally get into the cornfield, and then the guy is underneath the ground trying to put the bow in the ass, and the scarecrow acting all silly. He got the book, like, yeah, like, he was, like, all excited and shit. 
he put the, put the book in like this, and then he's going down the ground, the woman trying to fire him off the torch. I mean, I don't want to ruin it for you guys, man, but this movie was a fun fucking movie. It was so fucking enjoyable. You know, it was so enjoyable, guess what? I'm going to show you a fucking clip. That's right, I'm going to show you a clip. Anyway, it's called Night of the Scarecrow. Um, it's not our DVD officially get on VHS or DVD or VHS transfer to the DVD, but hopefully one day it will. Anyway, peace. Hey guys, what's up? Um, I wasn't sure if this was a real email I got. I actually got a message from a director from this movie. I just want to send me a screener of the second movie. But uh, I'll see what happens. I'm always for independent part anyway, so we'll see. But um, he mentioned if I ever reviewed the movie Hack Job, and actually, I just saw the movie today, and I realized I did review the, this movie Hack Job. Only one major problem: I never saved the video, and I again I have I have a bad habit of forgetting to save my good movie reviews. That's what Hack Hack Job. Let's consider this a revisit review. Um, I actually liked it. I remember liking this anyway. Um, this is a very independent horror movie, by the way, guys, and. It's pretty obvious. It is pretty much trauma. Lord Kaufman inspired, by the way. Um, the movie is while well, I like with this um, independent horror, and again, it's very independent. Is there is blowing gore, silly blowing gore. There is tits and ass. Hey, who doesn't love tits? And this anthology horror has like commercials in between the take. Like sometimes, like in the horror anthology stories, you see like commercials and. Sketches, pretty much homage and stuff, I would say. Um, it's all these two guys that want to make a better movie. They found they in hell, and um, they just trying to get their script sell, you know, trying to see who, who will want to buy it, pretty much. Of the movie called Hack Job, pretty obvious. Um, the first story we have, like this Dawn of the Mummy type of ripoff thing. Um, pre it's pretty enjoyable about this. It's called the Tomb of the SS, I think. It's kind of like Dawn, Dawn of the Mummy-ish, like I would say, but in the, in the in low-budget, independent scale. Like, Dawn of the Mummy, Mummy wasn't low-budget on its own, but this was very low-budget, independent scale. Um, anyway, let's get to the point. Um, you got this um, guy who comes to the desert and made up with this girl, and he has to translate this tomb thing, like treasure, for, this, for the archaeologists who kind of betrayed him, for the Germans. And the Germans come in because they want to trick for themselves. But then you got all these zombies coming in, killing. Um, you also got a guy who's parachuted out of no walking on the de desert. He had become one of the good guys, of course. He starts firing off the zombies. You have your blood and gold with these zombies. Pretty silly, silly blood and gold, which is enjoyable. And, um, you know, I want to ruin the ending. I want you guys to enjoy this independent authority horror. But it was, it was a surprise, simple surprise ending, you know. Um, the second story, actually, which was my favorite, was a fun alien movie. One of those alien parasites that possess your body. And you have a, also another story in this movie, these two lovebirds. A guy who was the battle of the band with this girl. And then, while well, you got this alien possessing these bodies, killing people. The aliens start growing big, like clams, shell-like alien. Start killing people at the battle of the band concert then. And this guy that looked like one of the members from Guar, I think he was, but it mentioned the box cover. He started firing off this clamshell alien and he lost. And then the rocket guy, the guy saved his girlfriend, and then 
the speaker made the alien kind of like explode like you know and um the third story is about this Jewish guy that kills um Catholic people I think but they cause like the criminals like crime and he killed one priest that was trying to steal money and use drugs he fights off the altar boy gangs and this was this third story was pretty good too it was more like it was it wasn't hard it was more like action packed vigilante type of thing and has blood and gore in it also um but the guy the girlfriend broke up the the guy because he's had he does this astral plane thing and it's like maybe the astral plane kind of like possess him to do things that he would not normally do and he has like this he's like pretty, he's like a crime fighter now pretty much and um also at the end of the movie you got these guys when it was me with Lord Kaufman, Lord, they tricked Lord Kaufman into having diarrhea and stuff so he could read the, the script. And then when he was done taking a shit, Lord Kaufman realized, you know, I really do like this script. So he tried to persuade these guys, hey, come in my office. And he shot them one by one, you know. And um, that's how they actually got into hell with the demons and girls with tits. And he said, you know, I'm going to reincarnate you guys back again. And the third friend went to heaven. He wanted to see tits. He ain't gonna see no tits in heaven, so he said heaven sucks. Um, yeah, Hack Show was a very enjoyable movie. Very, very. By the way, one more time, it is an independent horror, pathology comedy. So understand what you're getting, you know, guys, and don't jump the gun. And hey, maybe you might do a hack job too. Who knows? Anyway, peace, guys, and see you later. Hey guys, what's up? Today I'll be talking about a zombie movie. Yeah, I know, another zombie movie. I said the same thing to myself also. But it's called, this one's, this one's called Dead Season. And I actually thought it was Dead Island based on the video game. But no, it's called Dead Season. It could be though, if it wanted to. But anyway, Dead Season. It's about a guy trying to survive the zombie attacks. They call the zombies walker in this one. They, they didn't call them zombies, they call them walkers. And you gotta mix the zombies. You got zombies that run fast. You got zombies that are slow. This is like a mix between like those Italian zombies and those 28 days later type of zombies. And you got your dumb zombies, you got your smart zombies. So you gotta mix up different zombie zombie styles in this movie. Um one of the survivors found this woman and her kid and this kid hanging around with the woman. He took the woman and the kid with him. He found out that he could get a boat to an to an island where it's safe. So they say by the way. So he met this old guy at the warehouse and he gave him a map. So him and the woman and the kid had to defeat a bunch of zombies to get to the boat. They got on the boat. They got on this island. They met these people. This guy's leading a, some community like trying to survive these the walking attack while they survive on their own. Um let's just say this is like I would say this movie's pretty much close to the movie Stakeland. You're gonna get more of your drama moments and then you get your zombie action, your blood and gold moments. Um as for nudity if you guys wanna know, um the lead actress do they get naked in a sex scene with the gut hero and she does get naked when she get washed out with the water, make sure they got no bites. Um, anyway, while they got while they got on the boat before they got on the island, excuse me, the kid actually the kid actually got bit by a zombie and the guy had to shoot the kid. So it was just him and the woman alone go to the island. And that's where they got captured by this guy, these um guys like military guys like, and there's also also like three women on the island. One's the 
the leader of the group, daughter, and the other two are pretty much whores, you know, to please the guys, pretty much. Um, they, um, the woman, the guy said that if you're not used to the team, he doesn't say what happens towards the end. And what happens towards when the movie gets forward, like, he tells the hero, the leader of the group tells the hero of the movie that, you know how we get, like, our meat? Anyone that's not, they don't dissipate into the group, like, they have no purpose into the group, they've got no skills or none of that stuff. Guess what? You become food. You become meat. So, guess what the humans do? They can't get meat from a supermarket, so they kill live, they become cannibals. And the people don't know, only he's, he's the only one that knows about that. He's the, only, the leader of the, of the group. He's the one to be killing humans that have no use for the group. You know, and they put the meat and make the meat into beef jerky. And the people don't even know about that. So when he told the hero that you gotta do it, you gotta, you only second person to know about this, you have to kill this guy. Because they saved this guy and a woman, another group in the island. And they had to kill the woman because she was a zombie. The guy they, they kept alive, like they quarantined him, but um but he was actually gonna be food anyway for the group. So the guy told the hero that hey, you got to kill this guy. We need meat. We need meat. And the guy the hero decided, okay, you know what? If it's my family, I would do it to survive. And so he started killing the guy with machete, scrape him up like blood and gore, you know, like supermarket style. You know you know what I'm saying? Anyway, the guy becomes the so when when that process went through, the hero ended up thinking, you know, he can't handle it. Like too much pressure to him. He told the woman what's going on, what what really happened. And the uh, heroine got pissed off, like, you know, I, I'm gonna leave this fucking island. This is too much, like, you know. So she took the leader of the community, like his daughter, because the daughter the daughter of the leader, like, she'd been in, in the house, like, for 10 months, and she'd never been outside, and she wanted to go out. So she told the, told the daughter, you know, I'm going to get you out, I'm going to leave, you know. While she tried to, while the heroine tried to get something settled, she was almost getting molested by one of the soldiers. Almost. She killed the guy. Um, the zombies heard the scream. They're going after the woman. The zombies broke through the gates. Start killing everybody in the community. Just the woman, the daughter was on the run. Going to the van to get out while the hero and the leader of the group fight off the zombies. The leader of the group got got the guy tooth mark in his arm. He told the guy, you know what, this is the map to the boat, go get out. And um, while the survivors trying to battle other zombies, they head for the boat and pretty much a simple ending. They all three of them, the daughter, the hero, and the hero go on the boat and they leave, you know, pretty much. Um, all in all, this movie was good, surprisingly. I saw Halloween. I don't care about the acting, but the acting was really good because you get into the character. So you got a mix of you got you get character development in this movie too, also. So that's pretty cool. A little bit of character development going on, and you got some zombie action. You got a little new scene for you guys out there. You don't know who get naked in this movie. Get the heroin. You get naked, okay? You know, I know people like horror movies. Like, sorry, ladies. I gotta put this in there for the guys. Um, the kill scenes are good. You know, simple kills with machete, gunshot into the head. You know, the usual zombie kills. Um, all in all, good movie, pretty much. It's a good movie, surprisingly, it was. Anyway, it's called Dead Season. Um, check it out if you could. Um, get it on DVD. I'm not sure if it's on Blu ray. I'm not positive sure, but I know it's out on DVD. Anyway, peace.
today I'll be talking about the movie Dagger 8. And um, this is like one of my favorite martial arts movies. It came with the Wu-Tang Clan collection. You know, a Wu-Tang collection. It's like a bunch of movies, one of those double-sided discs. And um, this movie was awesome, man. I was surprised how good it was. I mean, it's about this guy. It's, it's like Kung Fu with the comedy elements in it a little bit, but not overly done. I like the comedy elements work. Me, I'm a kind of person that likes straightforward martial arts movies, you know, like, without the comedy elements. But, like I said, it works in this movie. It's not bad. It's like one of the, it's like this young guy, he's like educated, like, you know, he gotta be more into his books, but he's kind of like educated a little bit. But he's like more Kung Fu more than he likes his education. And his father, I mean, so his granddad wanted to learn to be a scholar, not like a martial artist. One day he found out his brother's dead. And his granddaddy got mad at his grandson because he said, See, this is what happened when you learn Kung Fu. So, what happened was that the grandson decided to leave his granddad and told his granddad, I want to learn martial arts. You know, he wants to go his own path. And then he started seeing these three different teachers, right? I want to fast forward the story a little bit. Three different teachers with three different um, abilities. One is like strong, but he does like, he cooks noodles. So, he started teaching the boy how to do martial arts from his own style. Then, he sees a second teacher with does acrobatics like and then he sees a third teacher that she does like a female soft touch kung fu with the needles and um but the, th the twist with each of these teachers is that every time this young boy see these different teachers one at a time they start dying every teacher that he sees you know and you realize that these these um, masters end up dying from this killer and it's pretty obvious that the killer is hired by somebody else to kill these three different teachers and then you find out later in the in the movie that the reason why these three teachers are dying because they t teaching this boy martial arts and then it's pretty obvious who hired the killer spoiler 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 by the way spoiler it's the granddad of the grandson because he does not want his grandson to learn martial arts um, meanwhile once the boy finds out that like, who the killer was he gonna go revenge for his teachers and his granddad and fight the fight the killer that kills his um, granddad but the thing is it's a twist because you be wondering like who hired the killer to kill the granddad who the granddad hired the killer to kill the master that never been revealed in this movie I don't know why but you know what this movie does make up for it a lot I mean it the, I, I, the, the movie is just like I said the comedy element part of it works the martial arts skills are fantastic I love all the martial arts scenes in this movie and I even like the villain in this movie too. He's like the villain that has like daggers hidden around his shirt, and he uses daggers as his main weapon usually. But you know, if you listen to the killer's theme song, I swear the theme song sounds like the soundtrack for the Mortal Kombat video game. I think um, Mortal Kombat 2 or Mortal Kombat 3, when you fought in the city with with the with the, the apocalypse city, like that theme song is. I think that's the theme song that was played because it's so familiar. But I knew it came from Mortal Kombat. So I wonder if the people that created more combat stole that soundtrack a little bit. Because you can listen to it. It sounds like that more combat one of the more common theme songs. It's added from two or three of the video game. But all in all, um Dagger Dagger is awesome. I mean definitely worth your viewing pleasure. Definitely get the Martros collection. Um it's called Wu Tang something. I'll showcase it in my next video blog. Anyway guys, peace. See you later. I'm gonna start saying my movie review, but for some reason I knew I reviewed this movie before.
but now I'll review it again. The Running Man, classic, Arnold Schwarzenegger, what not to love about this movie, classic Arnie, come on, action mode time, action mode, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and welcome back to Arnold and Expendables 2 also. And hopefully they will make this movie also, why not, because I like the original Soul Recall, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to the remake by the way. I don't know if Arnold Schwarzenegger will have a guest spot in the movie, I heard rumors he might, but we don't know yet. You know, surprise us, who knows. But anyway, The Running Man, oh god, what not to love, and I love Maria because she's a lot of man. Still a cougar, fuck it, she's the cougar right now, she's hot. Um, it's about this, at the beginning of the movie, you had Arnold Schwarzenegger, his boss, he plays like pilot, like helicopter, police pilot, the helicopter, and pretty much the government, like, they want, they want them, him to shoot innocent people. And also, Schwarzenegger said, no, he doesn't want to do it. Is it women, children, people without guns? You know, they just want food. So he's denying to shoot these people. He doesn't want to do it. So then the cops set him up. He got framed. He's went to jail. He got friends now. He escapes. He's trying to visit his brother. Um, that's when he met William Christian Alonso's character, who's in the house now. And also, Schwarzenegger starts saying with his brother, Mario mentioned that his, the last person that lived in the house when they took him away to get reprogrammed. You know, the government taking over. You know, it's, it's this type of movie, the government wants to take over. Anyway, he hold Marie Kushita hostage to take use her pass to go to Hawaii and um, cause Maria character to knock on her counters or counter out and make a run for it, ask for cops to help, help her out. And she doesn't really know the truth behind the scenes, you know. Anyway, the cops was able to capture Oswald's nigga, and that's when you have the leader of the running game, the host that wants him in the in his in his tournament. So they um captured Oswald's nigga, captured the cops, and they gave pretty much gave him to the host to apply for the running game, running man game. And the host said, if you don't apply to your friends that hope escape prison, they're gonna they're gonna be in the game. Of course, we all know that he lied, and all three of them. End up being in the Running Man game. Also, Schwarzenegger and the two guys that helped him out. I think one played by Yakin Kodo, I think that's his name was. Been a long time, I know that. It's that black guy, man. You'll see him in a lot of movies. Anyway, they go to the Running, running Man after competing in this competition, keep going on the run. While, while Maria Kashida announces Captain realized, you know what? With seeing footage from his background story, she knew that this was all bullshit, this was all a lie. She finally realized that, you know what, the man that hold the hostage was actually. And I'm Scott. So she started looking to the files on the real footage of what really happened. She got caught and pretty much she's gonna be in the game too. But before that, you got Arnold and the other two guys find a guy named Sub Zero, I think. And um he's the, like the, he's like this Japanese guy. You see him in a lot of much awesome movies. You you look at his face, you're gonna recognize who he is. He had like a blade, a hockey blade and bomb pellets. Yeah, that was a good fight scene, and they stopped killing. He's dead first. And then later in the movie, when the child allows to have, like I said, she's got an action character. She's part of the game now. And, you know, also makes that wisecracking her, you know. And um, so she's going with them to survive against the other two stalkers. One is Dynamo, the electricity guy, and one is Buzzsaw. You got another killer named um, Fireball. But meanwhile, during those two fights with Dynamo and Buzzsaw, um, Yakukoto's character is dead from Buzzsaw's chainsaw, and the sign and the and the smart guy, the smart prisoner, and Marika Shalazo had to go with him while they had to separate because of the two stalker. She he gave her the code 
should give to the resistance army to stop um, killing the game show host and his his um, running man game once and for all. Anyway, that guy's dead from dynamo electricity blast. Buzzsaw and I'm sure to have a lost awesome fight scene. I mean chainsaw. Was it Buzzsaw? I forgot. Buzz, I think it was Buzzsaw. He died. Arnold going to kill him. He goes save the girl against Dynamo. Dynamo got he he um, injures Dynamo but doesn't kill him. And Dynamo will die at the end of the movie anyway later on. Anyway, while they're on the run, and the audience starts saying, you know, they start crying, they get all sad because the stock is dead, and they gotta realize that the stock was bad guys. They don't know that because the TV propaganda, you know, they killers. The game show host and his um, TV personalities, producers, and writers kind of set the whole game up, you know, making the hero look like the bad guy while he was really the hero all this time. And, um, one of the one, the next dog is Fireball. Almost controls the kill Fireball. He's a guy with a blowtorch. And then they finally go to the risk, they found the resistance army. Also, they shot his character. Actually, they found them. And then they gave him the code. They start talking about rebelling. Having guns ready while they end up sort of seeing themselves on television because killers, um, rise and produce a set of two fake people to fight to Captain Freedom, played by Jesse Ventura's character, who doesn't even like the game no more. He doesn't want to use any mechanical junk. So that's how kind of set his character up too, also, in a fake TV screen. And he's like killing all sorts of things, character, and making sure allows a character the fake doubles of them on the screen while they were really alive all this time. So, Anyway, while the resistance was playing, they they attack against the um, game show host and his and his propaganda soldiers and all that bullshit. They go, they fight them all off. They shoot um, Maria Castle, Maria Castellano's came across Dynamo, and she shoot the water fountain like on the scene, the water scene thing, and the water hit Dynamo, and Dynamo start dying from electricity. Um, it was a shootout going on the game show stage. Everybody going crazy. Everybody running out. And um, Arnold Schwarzenegger came face to face with the host, and you know got like one-liners, and he put him in the chair. The game show host started flying through that carpet and hit hit his own billboard, and everybody started celebrating, all happy and stuff. Um, all in all, this movie was fucking awesome, man. Manly movie, manly tough action movie. You know, I know a lot of guys like the tough action movie. We all do, you know. And um, if they remake this, be kind of cool. But we have some new characters. Be kind of awesome, so I'm looking forward to it. Ever do do a remake on it? Um, there is a Blu-ray release and there is a special edition release, which I'm planning on getting. The one I got is a cheap DVD version of the first release of the movie with no special features. So hopefully, when I get some money, I buy the better version. But all oh, this movie was enjoyable. Action, like I said, action one was good. The storyline was good. It was simple story to follow, and the one-liners is good. Especially, I think everybody likes that old lady. So we should pick Ben Richards to be number to have the number one kill like he said he's a bad motherfucker <laughs> you know awesome alright guys I'm gonna get pumped for this one man let me tell you something I've seen a lot a lot of party movies man a lot of party movies and let me just say there's been a lot that have been good man I haven't been disappointed in any of them but I always say that the can of party movies was Animal House. And then came Can't Hardly Wait. And then came... What's that other movie? Oh shit. Super Bad. Then came Hangover. And then came this one. Project X. Yo, let me show you a close-up. This is the Blu-ray. 
extended cut. It also has the DVD, but the Blu-ray is it has the selection between theatrical and extended version, and you have three special featurettes, which is pretty cool. And um, this movie, oh my god, it is off the fucking hook, man. It is off the fucking hook. See this movie? You want to have a fucking party. Then you see the end of the movie? You might like, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have to think about that again. But it's too late because you had the fucking party. Okay. <laughs> you see? I, I was drunk when I saw this movie. Not really. Come on, two shots of tequila? Please, you can't kill me. Anyway, hold on, let me show you what the inside is. You got the Blu-ray, you got the DVD, you got this stupid ultraviolet. Do anybody use the fucking ultraviolet thing? I don't use ultraviolet. The fuck, is this supposed to be the new thing now? Is it, you know what, how much do you bet the movie market might be dead out of business with this type of shit? So you tell me, no DVDs, no Blu-rays, everything's gonna be $29.95 just to sell a piece of paper, but you have your digital code to type it up. No. This is bull. This this ultraviolet shit is bullshit. This, get rid of this ultraviolet. Get rid of this digital code. I'm, I I want to know how many people watch type codes to put in their iPhone. Really, please. DVDs, Blu-rays, forever. Okay. And 3D. And 4D when it becomes hologram. And listen to the fucking point. Oh my god, this movie is off the hook. You got three guys. Yeah, I know. Some of something like Super Bad and Hangover. Yeah, three young guys. I think they're unknown actors because I never heard of these guys. I never seen these guys before, you know. And the and one of the, the, the lead guy, right, who has uh, Thomas, who having a birthday party. His friend Costa, right. He's holding the party. He Costa is like the party guy. He's like the more aggressive type. He's like, Yo, come on, man, we're gonna have this party. Fuck you, suck my dicks. That type of kind of attitude. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like the um. Jonah Hill's character, but more, I feel like this guy is more raw than the Jonah Hill character from Superbad, because this guy, Costa, he totally fucking rocks, man. And he, and there's a, oh, and number four, of course, the guy holding the camera. So, they went to throw this party, mom and dad, the dad even called his son a loser. I was like, oh, but the dad's calling his kid a loser? That's when you know you got it, that's when you know, that's when you know you got it bad, I'm sorry. Uh, I gotta say that. You know you got it bad. I don't care he has that rich house, fancy room, fancy pool. I don't care, but if your dad calls you a loser, and he's confident, yeah, yo, you know, you got no friends, man. You got these three guys, that's it. You got no pussy, you know, all that shit talk, you know what I'm saying? You, come on, come on. You know that's what your dad meant when he called you a loser, fuck it. You know? And even though he knows you're smart, but still, I mean, come on. But anyway, don't worry, he proves his dad wrong. Um... So, um, Costa started emailing people in the school, trying to promote his friend's birthday party, and then the birthday party finally happened. You got the DJ. You got the oh, you also got the hot female friend of Thomas. Hot. I think she's gonna be the next Apple Hood because she's a cutie pot. I think her name is Kirby. Yeah, short name, right? Anyway, they got the party. A lot of people coming in. Oh my god, I don't want to ruin a lot of these scenes because I want you to have that what the fuck moment. But I was just talking about the first scene alone. You got the dog in the air balloon, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> with the balloon. And like, what the fuck are you hanging the dog up? Uh, plus, you get to see with the drug dealer. I don't want to get too much with the dr drug dealer scene, but it's funny as hell how they visit the drug dealer. And plus, you see the drug dealer at the end. 
No spoilers on that one. No spoilers anyway. That's this is, I'm gonna remind the spoilers. A little minor. Um, it's just the party is so crazy. People drinking, of course, vomiting, hot girls, a lot of girls going topless, sex. Um, Thomas, did he got lucky or did did he got lucky? Yes or no? I don't want to ruin that. Did any of the guys got lucky? I don't want to ruin that moment. I want you guys to fit, watch watch this movie and figure it out. How did the mom and dad got if he, they got mad at Thomas at the end of this movie? You go figure it out. Well, it's pretty common sense, but it's, it's how they do it, though. It's kind of, like, funny, you know? I mean, if you put it like this, Eugene Lee was like, damn, I, I thought I was the only cool dad around, you know? But um, even even the dad got, let's say the dad's like, wow, wow. Maybe I made, maybe I made a mistake when I used the word loser, you know, whatever. I'm sure that was what the dad was thinking, you know? But, um... Yeah, no spoils. Okay, no spoils. Um, this movie is fuck. It's way too fucking awesome. Got get the Blu-ray, guys. If you really like this movie, and yes, of course the movie was done in found footage style, but uh, the movie is just awesome, guys. God, it's just fucking awesome. And when I first heard of the found footage style for a party movie, I was like, really, man? Come on, really? And and I never seen this theaters, but if I knew this movie was good, I wish I did so in the theaters. Even though I heard a lot of great reviews for it anyway before. Before buying the Blu-ray, before my judgment on this movie, but yeah, Project X guys, extended version, get the Blu-ray one. You will not be disappointed. I swear to you, you will not be disappointed. And by the way, please comment below the box. PM me. I don't give a shit. Do anyone use Ultraviolet? Do anyone use these downloadable content movies? Your digital code to watch movies, your PSP or your iPad or whatever the fuck. Cell phone usage on the go. I want to know, but anyway, throw yourself a fucking party. I, I definitely don't know. I don't know if you guys could throw a party like this one, but if you could, hey, maybe you can throw me an invitation. I am so sorry. I just had to take a breather for this one. I just saw this movie on cable. And guess what? This is the very first time I'm watching this movie. So that I mentioned with Vamp, first time I'm watching that movie, but at least Vamp was a good movie. This is a piece of shit. Oh my god, I actually did a bad demon review on this movie, but I kind of gave up on the sketch show on that. So that we ended with eight episodes, seven episodes, I think. Um, Cult of Conqueror. Wow. I was doing some, a little bit of research. I heard this was actually a Marvel comic book. And I actually heard this was like one of Robert E. Howard's stories, the guy who created Conan. Now, let's forget about those right now because it took a Wikipedia, though, Wikipedia on that part. Let's just get to the point and talk about the fucking movie. This movie is so bad. It's like the soundtrack is horrible. It doesn't match with the movie. The movie is like, when you really, the acting like, when warriors act, act like a warrior, don't act like a drama and shit. You're supposed to be a fucking barbarian, you know? And I like with Kevin Sobo, you know, he used to be a slave, you know? He's Atlantean, you know, similar to the Conan story, right? And um, he fought this guy. The guy kicked his ass. The guy found out that his kid was killing, killing his kid, his, all his kid, his children, like, so they won't be successful to him. 
So the guy and his soldiers came up to the kid and well, want to know why he's doing it. Kevin Sobel's kind of plays call, comes in, you know, stops the kid. The kid was about to, like, the kid is attacking him. And then Kevin Sobel's kind of call, kills the kid. Now the crown dropped. The guy wanted it, the crown. But the kid was alive for a little bit and decided to give the crown to Kevin Sobel's character, call, um, call. Let's call it Kevin Sobel's character. This movie is a piece of mess anyway. So the kid decided to give the crown to Kevin Sobel's character, becoming the new Ken. He has no no noble blood. He doesn't know who the fuck this guy is, but hey, you become Ken, I'm dead anyway. You know? Um, all the movie guys just got stupid just now. I'm like, instead of being an action, you know, you would think you'll take this movie seriously, it would be like a fucking comical mess. You know? So, you know, Kevin, Kevin Sobel's character called, get called. Um, being humble to the people in the kingdom, you know, changing the laws so people could be free, you know, respecting the poor, you know, respecting the, the lower class pretty much. And then later on, the people that was behind the kingdom, that did not want to become kin, they did not want him to become kin, excuse me, decided to go to this guy, uh, have this guy raise up the Red Witch, so the Red Witch could just kill Cull, and so they, so they get the kingdom for themselves pretty much. But that backfired because the witch wanted the kingdom for herself, really. And then Cole ended up marrying the Red Witch, and then found out that the Red Witch is really a bitch. After all, she's an evil bitch. And then while he's in prison, he fought the a monster. He fought people. He escapes. He goes on the quest, like with the fortune teller and her brother. You know, to find a way to kill the Red Witch. Uh, while battling the other warriors. Call it up going back. I'm fast forward as much as, much as possible, guys. Fought the Red Witch off. Fought save his woman. But it's just like the whole it's just this movie is just pretty fucking dumb. It's like like okay, I like the fight. I mean the action scenes were good. It's just like it's just the soundtrack was horrible. It just did not fit with this movie. The characters acting for a warrior fantasy movie. Just did not work well. I've seen a lot of bad warrior fantasy movies, and I've seen a lot of good warrior fantasy movies. Like the good ones, I'll put out. I'll tell you the good ones: Conan, of course, um, Hawk the Slayer. I like um, Beastmaster. One I like. Two and three is another story, but you know what? I I really I rather enjoy Beastmaster two and three than Call the Conqueror. That's how bad Call is. Eight Tour is good. I enjoy Eight Tour. I enjoy um. There was another warrior movie with the trilogy, I forgot the name of it. Um, shit, I forgot. But I also seen a lot of bad Italian expectation warrior fantasy movies. Also, which I guarantee you is like way better than Call the Conqueror. Call the Conqueror is a complete mess. If you people enjoyed it, then that's your fucking opinion. And guess what? I don't give a shit. This movie is horrible. <laughs>
Let, let me just say, damn, did the fucking remake of Fright Night. It was, it was enjoyable to watch, but it wasn't enjoyable enough as the original. And I was saying to myself, yo, sorry, Bruce, I'm, I'm at IMDB.com just now. Yeah, this guy is in good shape. He's a good-looking guy. He can still do Fright Night. He can just do Fright Night Part 3. There's no need for a remake. He can just did Fright Night Part 3 with Charlie Brewster. He's back. The guy looked like he's in good shape. Well, he could do Fright Night. Another Fright Night movie. Oh, well. Damn. <laughs> anyway, Friday, Friday night, Charlie Bruce is in college. He got this hot chick, college chick. I had a major crush on her when I saw her. She, she, she has like this tech speed reading. But anyway, she's Charlie Bruce's girlfriend. You know, um, he, he goes out, visits his friend, um, Peter Vincent, in his little big cool house. He's still doing the Fight Night TV show. And um, when he was looking at the window, he knows some similar to what you see in Friday Night Part 1. He was looking through the window. He see like people moving in. He was like looking. He's like, ah, nah, whatever. He's going down. They walk out. He's having dreams about this female, sexy female he saw in, in Peter Vince's apartment complex where he was living at. And she, 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 he, th he, she, he thinks she's a vampire. So him and Peter Vincent went to the to the ladies' apartment, knows they're having a party, and the woman was really a vampire, she was a performance artist. So when um Tony Bruce's character left to cause he missed he had he missed out on his day with his girl, so he had to go see her real quick. And he was staying apart for a little while. He looked in the mirror, he knows that where there's no reflection and say like, that's when he got all scared of, like he can't believe this is happening again. So he ran out, he came face to face with Gina the vampire. And he realized, and Virginia explains to him that you killed my brother, which was the vampire villain in the first Fright Night movie. So Peter Vincent really likes what he's going up against. And he went on the run, trying to warn Charlie Brewster that you were, like, pretty much you were right. This, this woman was a vampire. But, um, so he, so he, he tried to go attack the, um, vampire queen while well, she took his job at Fright Night host. They locked him in the same asylum. Um, Charlie Bruce visits his girl while finding the werewolf guy that was with the woman. The woman, the female vampire leader, had like some crew. She has a black vampire that rides a roller skate. She, there's another ghoul in this one. Her right hand man is a ghoul with a big muscular ghoul guy. You see, you will definitely look at his face because you see him in a lot of movies. Especially he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer season one, if I'm corrected. And the fourth guy is pretty much the werewolf guy, you know. And anyway, there was. Charles Brewster's girlfriend was fighting off the werewolf guy. Werewolf guy ran when his girlfriend, when Charles Brewster's girlfriend put the roses in the, in the werewolf's mouth. And then, um, but while Charles Brewster had those dreams, and during the process between the movie, he was already bitten by the vampire, and he was already possessed and stuff. Charles Brewster was in jail, and, um, the female vampire Regina freed him, bailed him, and she took Charles Brewster to her house, you know. And when he's gonna become full vampire, he's gonna have his first taste of blood. While Charlie Brewster's girlfriend fought off the doctor, cause she she went with the doctor, the psychologist, psychologist guy, who was like trying to help Charlie Brewster talk about his problem in the beginning of the movie. He he became a vampire, and um, she fought him off. But the vampire, the psychologist vampire, killed himself. You know, cause she needed the, the guy's help to free. Uh, Peter Vincent from the mental hospital, but when she realized it was a vampire, then she was, when he died, she took the ID, 
she went to the mental hospital, free Peter Vincent, you know, they escaped. Actually, one of the mental patients free, helped Peter Vincent out, but it had an opening to escape. So, Peter Vincent and the female, pretty much, this was the opposite of Friday Night Part 1, while you have Charlie Brewster's girlfriend from the first movie kidnapped, help, Peter Vincent helped him out, this time it's the opposite. Charlie Brewster is becoming the vampire, and you got his girlfriend, Peter Vincent, helping him out. They go in the complex building, help so I say Charlie Brewster get out the building. They got trapped for a while and they had to fight off the vampires, the girl, and you know, try to make Charlie whatever she trying to make Charlie Brewster suck his girlfriend's blood. Um, Charlie Brewster snapped out of it, you know. He took the hands of the black vampire, girl skin vampire, and used it against the girl by the hand because he had chalk finger hands. And then you see all this bug splattered. Uh, before that, so you see them fight the werewolf guy, because when when um, Charles Bruce's one of his friends became a vampire, they they kill him with the holy water. Um, Peter Vincent was ready to get out the window. The werewolf trapped him, and um, Charles Bruce used to like the spear gun to kill the werewolf guy. And, and that was before that scene. But after that, now we got him where he snapped out of it while he trying to drink his girl's blood, and Meanwhile, while the girl died, the rose skin vampire died. Now they're up to the last battle with the female vampire. Um, they fought her off at the sunlight. She's headed for the elevator, scraping through where to go underground. And pretty much Charlie Brewster's girlfriend had to battle the female vampire out. And Peter Vincent just helped them out by going on top, finding the crack mirrors and reflection of the sunlight. They hit the basement of the elevator tunnels like. And pretty much, the vampire queen went to Regina went to the coffin and she died out. Um, all in all, Friday Night Two was good. I enjoyed it. I hope people didn't like Friday Night Two. I was shocked because I actually thought it was a pretty good sequel, in my opinion. You know, because I like Friday Night One, of course, and Friday Night Part Two was enjoyable, and it's definitely part of my childhood memories also. So, yeah, and like I said, I went to IMDb. They could have done a Friday Night Three, I think, in my opinion. They could have done that. Screw that shit. They could have done Friday Night 3. There was no need for a fucking remake after all. There was no need for a remake. You know, rest in peace of Roddy McDowell. By the way, let me just say that. Good actor. I did some IMDb search on him. Seriously, what else he did before? Like, before he passed away. And I realized that he was the voice of Mad Hatter in the Batman cartoon. And I always realized, like, when I see the Batman anime series, you know, on Fox 5 and ABC CW11, and of course the Mad Hatter gets, gets spot on the Superman cartoon. All this time it was Roddy McDowell that did the voiceover for that character because that man had it sound pretty cool. I was like, yo, what's with that voice of Manhattan? Manhattan sounds pretty cool. Like, you want to see more of Manhattan? Seriously. You know, I was like, wow, no wonder Roddy McDowell did the voiceover. Anyway, yeah, Friday Night 2 rocks. I'm trying to get a transfer version of this, of course, on iOffer.com. Um, the thing is, I, I wish it has a real official DVD release. I mean, this this has to have some good sports. Special feature, maybe deleting scene, maybe commentary, or, or behind the scenes featurette, or what the actors think of the movie doing Fright Night Part 2. I, I would like to see a, a proper release for this Fright Night 2 and DVD. They should, they should just make it happen. Anyway, guys, peace and see you. Um, okay, this is Darkness, right, from the year 2002, if I'm corrected. Very old movie. I heard about this a long time ago. I never had a chance to get around to it. And um, this is the unrated version, of course. And um, I want to be honest with you, man. 
this movie is garbage, but I did saw the movie. I mean, I saw an IMDb reviewer, and I kind of explained it a little bit more. So this is my opinion of this movie. It's not the director's fault. I feel like the direction with the sunlight, the environment, I felt like it was good, right? The directing, right? The actors, it's not their fault. This is following the script. But I feel like this, I blame the writers. They could have made this movie so much more better. It could have been so much more in this movie if they have explained it right, you know. And um, there were some key elements in the movie that gave me like, oh, okay, now I understand it. But I'm, I forgot the IMDb review that reviewed it. I'm sorry, but he explained it much more better. But still, I wasn't feeling it. Uh, family moves into this house, right, from Spain. And um, the father's British, I guess. Yeah. The mom is a nurse. Um, she got two kids with one, a son named Paul and a daughter, played by Anna Penquin. I think her name is Regina. But the subtitle is so bad in this, they call her Reggie. So when I've seen the making of feature out of this, it's Regina. I'm like, what the fuck? What? This is like the worst subtitle movie, and this is like, I guess, a real release for the movie. The men, the, well, fuck Dimension. <laughs> Alright, Dimension on drugs in this one. I think Dimension got so confused by this movie, they don't know how the fuck to subtitle this. Um, anyway. It's pretty much a, a ghost movie or a de demon movie. I don't know what direction wants to go with it. And there's a lot of there's a lot of movies when they mash up everything in one place. Some are good, some are like what the fuck. But this is one of them that are horrible at it. Um, let me tell you, there's a movie way better than this, similar to it, somewhat I would say. Check out Senatel. Senatel. Oh God, forgot. Um, it's an old movie back in the days. I'll, I'll post the link below. Uh, I'll tell you what, so you know what I'm talking about. And Daria Gitino's Inferno. Those two are like the best movie with, with this type of style, I would say, a little bit. But anyway, like, let's get to the point. The ghost, pretty much the house is haunted by a ghost. And it comes like in darkness time, like in darkness. And you see these six kids running around. And um, the, the fast forward of the movie, it's pretty much. A sac the kids that been sacrificed, right? And it was supposed to be seven kids. Six kids died. This last kid escaped, right? And the last to, to I'm gonna this gonna contain spoilers. I have to spoil it to help to explain it better a little bit at least. The seventh kid that escaped is actually the father in this movie. He was the survivor. Now of course there is a plot. Who's behind it? Who's setting the whole thing up? Well, guess what? It's actually the father's father, grandpa. He set the whole thing up because grandpa was supposed to kill his son that time. He was supposed to kill his own kid because the kids, they can only die from the person that loves them. And the father at that time can't even do it, so he let his son escape. Of course, like I said, the son grew up. He has his own family. Now he's moving into this house, I guess, because he has to work in Spain, you know, for a better job or something. And um, while the haunt is going on, um, um, Anna Patrick's character starts seeing this crazy old man, starts telling her, her and her boyfriend about this house, you know, what is it about. And of course, as it leads up, it builds up that seven kids must be sacrificed to release an evil in this world, you know. And that's when I get kind of confused. I'm like, what are you trying to do bring at the Antichrist in this world? You know, it did go in hell. I mean, it was called the darkness for a reason. Because Grandpa set the whole thing up. Because when Regina comes to visit her grandpa, right? 
grandpa kind of captured her in the house to tie her up so she won't interfere in the ritual, you know what I'm saying? Because the kid, the seventh kid would have to die, which is the father, he needs to die, you know? And, um, it, the father started going crazy, just like in the, before the scene in the movie, but he started going crazy, he's going after the wife and his kid, and the mother saw her son all beat up and stuff, all bruised up, and she thinks it's her husband that did it, but it wasn't her husband. To me, it's pretty obvious. Telling, I think it's telling you that the demon beat the kid up to t let the mother kill the father, so the so the so the sacrifice the ritual could be completed because the seventh kid must die, which is the father. But the movie could perceive you as if Paul supposed to be the sacrifice, but it's not. Um, the grandpa that captured his granddaughter and the Patrick's character, he said to let her free, you know, so he could. Because he, because he, he, like I said, he set the whole thing up. He was trying to get her like pumped up so she could interfere, like jump into the sacrifice, and maybe she'd be the one to kill the father, you know. And while the father was choking on his own pill, the mother tried to cut the throat so he could get some air, but he was standing right on the ritual sacrifice tablet, like on the ground. So Anna Patrick Counter said, you know, she told the mom she will do it, she will cut the throat, but she's trying to cut the throat for the air to come out, right? That's all, and they needed the tube from the pen so the air could come out. But the tube disappeared because it looked like the ghost took it or the or the demon took it. And um, the father was dead. The mother went to the kitchen to turn on the fire, the light. And a package carrier decided to get her brother to get the fuck out the house. The light. A ghost, a, a mother. The ghost version of the mother comes out trying to trick Anna package to turn off the light. When she turns it off, she'll be dead. Her, her brother. But she knows the mother was that wasn't really her mother. So they ran while the ghost turned into a demon. And then you got the two fake daughter and son downstairs trying to tell the mother to turn off the stove. And then when she turned off the stove, I guess the, the two fake son and daughter turned into the demon and killed the mother pretty much. I mean, they didn't show you how she was dead from the demons, but it was blood all over the kitchen. So Anna Pankow's character and um, her, her brother comes leaves the house. And the guy that was supposed to save Anna Pankow, he was shot with a tranquilizer. Before, when, while she was kidnapped by the grandpa, um, he finally waking up, ready to tell where where is she, and the grandpa, grandpa told the guy, she's at the house. So he went to the house, but he was actually driving, picked the son and and um and the Patrick's character up in the car, and they left. While they show you another scene, while the son, I mean excuse me, when the boyfriend actually going to the house, and then the ghost trying to disguise himself as the Regina's voice. And the, and they closed the door on him, and the doctor was still in the house. While the guy was driving the car, the boyfriend wasn't really the boyfriend after all. So he's telling you the, that's the darkness as they drive through the tunnel. Now that's your ending for this movie. Um, the, you're asking yourself, what the fuck is going on? What's the point of this movie of them being sacrificed? Well, there was a scene when the grandpa was telling the daughter, granddaughter about um, the great liar how they want to release an evil to this world and I was looking at Antichrist or Satan but they were actually one of you said it was actually Satan in a way because if you think about it the darkness right it's evil it's, it's Satan they didn't show you his face they didn't show you him in a vessel or nothing I think the darkness is Satan because it's just we release Satan's as well in, dark, in darkness you know what I'm saying and um, that's that's why that's the best way of saying what this movie could be about I'm not 100% confirmed, you know. Um, there, 
like I said, one review mentioned it, and I, I think I kind of go with his review a bit. I, I have to agree on it because that's the only way this movie's going to make somewhat a little bit of sense. Actually, there's a movie called Sentimental. Yeah, that's the movie, Sentimental, which is kind of like somewhat, some, like, it came out in the 70s, it came before this anyway, about this supermodel, and there was which is this apartment building, and everybody deals with the devil, you know? And I think they need a sacrifice or something so they can release the devil into this world. And the nun on top of the bill on the building or the house, I think, she protected the gates of hell from coming out. So she that's why the demons can never come out because of that blind nun. And then at the end you got the supermodel pretty much took the place of the nun, you know, at the end. So yeah, I I ruined that for you, but still it's a good movie saying that, so check it out. And also check out In Florida from Gary Argentina. That's another good movie. Um, yeah, this like you said, this movie to me, it wasn't really all that. It's just I wish they could explain it much more better, and maybe it would have been like decent to watch. I mean, it's not all that, but it's okay. So, yeah, and of course I picked this up for three dollars. So, hey, no complaints there, right? Anyway, peace, guys, and see you later. Sometimes you might have doubt about a movie until you see it a second time around. So, you know, it's like one of those movies where you gotta see it twice just to make sure you got it right or make sure you understand what's going on. When I first seen it, I understand what was going on, but to me, I had my mixed doubts about it. I'm not saying, like I said before, my last review for this movie, it was a good movie, but not bad also. Like, it was like not balanced to me. It's like, it lived up to the title of Gore, it's a lot of gore blood, but it's like I said, it was too much of too much, you know? And it's like so repetitive over and over again, but hey, it does live up to the fucking title, so I have to admit to that. Um, I seen the movie a second time around for the, this big weekend I had for Christmas Day holiday, so I plan to see it again. And um, after like seeing it again, I actually enjoy it, but at the same time, it's very repetitive. You're not a, if you're one of those people that's tired of repetitive movies, uh, you may want to. Well, I can't say step back. I say see it because. And like I said before, my last review is not for the kiddies because it has nudity, has some um, sexual body parts that you will find kind of odd in a weird Japanese way. It's like one of the Japanese weird movies, but like I said, it's about police women. It's a joint force called the Tokyo Gore Police. And what they specialize in is, yeah, gore, killing, killing, killing. And like I said, this movie is best described. Some, actually, something from IMDb actually describes it the same way too also but I never looked at that review. I looked I looked at my own review this movie before I saw this review. So like I said to myself this is like a combination between Robocop and Starship Troopers due to his commercial and the sense of humor how they approach certain situations, you know, blood wise, action wise, horror wise, you know. It's like horror action sci fi comedy, I would say this movie. You can put it all together in one. But the Robocop and Starship Trooper part comes in from Tokyo Gold Police have a lot of these commercials. Some, like I said, some of you have seen those movies, like sketch commercials, making fun of a situation, or like fun of like joining the military or joining the police force. They they making fun that you could join Tokyo Gold Police, recruiting kids. You know, um, there was one called as one as a samurai called Swords in Los Angeles, the best blade. It's it's crazy. Wrist cutters. I know the commercial quality. But there's a whole bunch of funny commercials in this movie. That's how fucking crazy this movie is. 
And you know what? I'd like to see a sequel. Um, let, let you know when the credits roll off, look at the ending. There's an ending to the movie, which, which will tell you it could be a possible sequel for Tokyo Gold Police. So look at my first review before this. This is a remix review of a second time around. <laughs> Guys, um, today we talk about a old school slasher movie slash drama called Curtains from 1983. Um, I want to see this movie for a long time because of the cover art. I really did like the cover art for this movie, the doll face, old lady face, the curtains. I never understand what it meant until I saw this movie. Um, I actually enjoyed this slasher. It's not the greatest, not the best, you know, but it was very enjoyable to watch. Um, I did like the acting. There's one character I like. The comedian, she was like my most favorite in this in the group of people in this movie. Um, it's simple. The movie has a theme to it. Pretty much stage acting. These actresses trying to get this one part for Audrey. So this film film producer director guy by these actresses come up to his house to audition for the part. You know, and it's pretty obvious each of these actresses start dying one by one, and um. From this, from this killer with the old lady plastic mask, killing people with a sink knife, like killing these actresses out, uh, while the film producers start sleeping with some of the actresses, and that the drama with the actresses trying to get the part, and um, they, they, the kill scenes are simple. People are stabbing, cutting the throat. So um, a few of the kill scenes they don't show you in details, but um, you can surpass that because, like I say, it is a good movie. And I definitely like the twist ending for the movie. Um, it was predictable for a little while, but you know what? When I found out who the killer was, I was pretty excited because, hey, I like the killer. I like the character. And, uh, oops, did I spoil it? But anyway, Curtis is, is our movie anyway, so I didn't feel like spoiling it. It's from 1983. Go check it out if you can.